0: You know, for some people this morning, to stand and praise God and to lift your hands was actually a really hard thing to do. I know it was for me. My arms are so sore. From yesterday, I was cutting things in and out of trailers and didn't realise that. just thought it was my legs hurting this morning until I went like that. thought <laughs> so couldn't get them any higher. And while yeah, while we acknowledge that you know, physical pain stops us doing things. Sometimes we have trouble recognising that there are some people here this morning to whom there was an emotional strain, an emotional barrier that they had to push through to actually do that. Not just a physical one like mine, this still sore but to actually engage involved doing something in their hearts. And so you know, today is our, is our, our last foray at least from me into this area of, of mental health and my message is simple and God said go to therapy um, but I thought you know when you finish a series what what's the thing that all good preachers do They they issue a call to action they come down off the pulpit they glare menacingly at the congregation and say what are you going to do about it well I'm not a good preacher so I'm not going to do that But we do need to do something. Who would like a plan of attack that we can put into practice that brings us victory and defeats our enemies for all time? Yeah, me too. Um, But when it comes to mental health, it seems that that sort of plan isn't strictly relevant. In fact, we need to come up with something more subtle. In fact, a cunning plan as Edmund Blackadder would say, as cunning as a fox who's just been appointed Professor of Cunning at Oxford University. We have to come up with something that's different and subtle and cunning. Let's start our cunning plan with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I think we, most of us know this. It says, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, that's a terrible scripture in that translation, because it brings two words, one of which is really good. It, it t- talks about how we think, and we all know that how we think changes our, our mental and emotional state. But it finishes with that horrible word, perfect. And although if you read it carefully, it says, God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. Often when we read a scripture and it ends with perfect, we sort of think, well, do I have to be perfect? So let, let me read it to you from the message because I think it makes a little more sense to our modern thinking. Because it says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Who thinks they could handle that? They didn't even mention the word perfect. And so I think that's, that's, that's part of our problem is that our culture leads us down paths which are actually not fruitful when it comes to mental health. So as we begin our journey to better mental health, and let me stop right there because half of you, as soon as I've said that, have gone to sleep because you have automatically assumed, well, I don't have any mental health issues, so the rest of it doesn't apply to me. That's not actually true. If you're the sufferer or the supporter when it comes to mental health we need to have this idea that even if you're not suffering from any issues would you like to be part of the problem or part of the solution for someone who is? Hopefully we'd all like to be part of the solution. If you're not struggling or you don't fall into the pitfalls that mental health present to us at least you can be there to pull somebody out when they've fallen in. And so the following tips that I'm going to give you that are hopefully applicable, I think apply to all of us, whether we're the sufferer or the supporter. And the problem is as Christians, because mental health is such a a, a murky issue, we end up not knowing what to do and therefore doing nothing. Now, if it was a physical, obvious health problem, Then we we burst into action with offers of food, financial assistance, transport, child mining, etc., all of these things, because we know what to do. But for mental health, we're often flustered and ineffective. So I think this applies to all of us, no matter what side of the coin that we think we're on. So as we begin our journey to better mental health, we need to know that the Bible contains verses that can help us deal with some of these issues. They can help us begin the the healing process by providing hope, direction, and comfort. Remember, and I think this is really important for us to to actually grab hold of, God does not want us to conceal our brokenness. He wants us to come clean. He wants us all to seek his help and the, the help of other Christians. And I think sometimes we forget that in our pain, we often conceal our brokenness. Now, we are, we can't conceal it from God, because have you ever tried that? Don't bother. It doesn't work. But we can conceal it from other Christians. We can conceal it from other people. But we don't get the help that we need if we do that. And so there are many things that we as Christians can do to take care of our mental health. And I'm going to give you a few tips I was going to go for three. Who likes a classic three-point sermon? I found more points than that, so I had to scrap that idea. So I thought, okay, if you're not going to give a three-point sermon, a ten-point sermon is the one to do. But I ran out after five, so you're getting a five-point sermon. Um, And I did check uh, the number five in the Bible symbolizes symbolizes God's grace, goodness, and favor. So I think I actually lucked on the right number. Um, Sorry, I think I planned it well so that, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. So what's the first thing we need to do? Fairly obvious, spend time with God. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, "O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. This is the sort of attitude we should have when it comes to connecting with God, whether it's just praying regularly, reading our Bible, spending our time singing worship music, or just sitting in the presence of God. The best way we can take care of our mental health is just to spend time with him. When we spend time with God, he has a way. I don't don't know whether you've noticed this, but he brings peace and calm in the midst of all life's chaos. There's actually been quite quite a bit of research done that shows that spending time with God actually reduces stress and anxiety, promotes healing and well-being, and provides strength and guidance in difficult times. And so... Uh, and this, whether you've got mental health issues or not, this this applies. To, who, who could do with a bit more peace and calmness? It d- doesn't matter whether you have clinical issues that you're struggling with. If we have peace on the inside, if we're connected with God, who knows? It's far easier to help other people because you're coming from a place that is far healthier than you would have otherwise. The second thing, and this is the one people hate. Put a name to your feelings. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that God is not a God of disorder, but peace as in all the meetings of God's holy people. And the thing is that even when we feel overwhelmed, we can find peace in God because guess what? He gave us all our feelings and he gave them to us for a purpose. And so it's important to identify our feelings and our emotions as well as our physical feelings. I mean, if if you were to take stock of your feelings right now, how do do you feel? Do you feel sad? Do you feel angry? Bored? Furious? Did I hit a nerve? (laughs) Well, I can stop there. Are you afraid or are you feeling something else entirely? Are you tense or uncomfortable? Because I threatened to come down there. It can be scary. But this is actually a useful exercise because once we've identified our feelings, we can begin working through them. Because I I, I don't know about you, but sometimes our feelings feelings about one thing can leak into our interactions with another. uh, Vicky's had to sometimes put up with some really weird conversations with me when I'm driving the car. Because when i'm driving I, I tend to I tend to get into the driving zone and then the the back half of my mind goes into role play mode and I, I replay things that have happened about you know how how did I interact with that person or what did what why did that person say that to me and what should, why didn't i respond has ever anybody ever done this why didn't I say that oh I, that that would have been the perfect reaction to that comment and say and so and often if it's if it's been a bad day and i and i'm um going through the process of what I should have said and how I felt about it and I'm quite worked up, Vicky will say, what do you want for dinner? And I, will, I what do you mean, what do I want for dinner? How would I know what I want for dinner? And she's like, well, what, well, what's wrong with you? And it's because I've been going through this emotional thing in my mind and I've suddenly transferred the whole thing into this conversation that for some reason, I don't know why, but she hasn't had a part in it. I've always thought she could read my mind, but um, it 's obviously not true, and so we 've actually got to be aware of how our emotions are making us feel and where they 're actually coming from because we can actually hit other people with an emotional response that they don 't understand or deserve, which can negatively impact our relationship so once you 've worked out how you 're feeling you 've got to work out why you 're feeling that way we need to number three is to delve into our automatic thoughts and feelings because if it, i don 't know whether you 've noticed this but Some of the things we feel and think come without us thinking. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says that we actually have and we can use powerful God tools. This is from the message again. For smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God and fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Sounds powerful. But we've got to get past this idea that some of our most our strongest emotional responses are quite automatic. And often our first reaction is to ignore the fact that we're having them because they're automatic. Have you ever, have you ever spoken to somebody about an idea you've had? And as soon as you've finished speaking, the first thing out of their is, mouth is, don't be ridiculous. That's never going to work. I wouldn't work with them. Um, or you'll regret it. Anybody ever had that? And you know that that person has not had enough time to actually digest and think about your idea. It's just a response that's come straight out. And you've got to think, well, why, why have they done that? It's this really strong opinion that suddenly zoomed at you out of nowhere and flattened you completely. You sort of th- it's reeling, thinking, "Oh, I thought it was a good idea. You know, what's 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 wrong with this?" But what often happens is that the feelings that you have evoked in that person are associated with something similar in their own lives that's had an emotional impact on them, and is not really a criticism of your actual idea. And you know, we may be guilty of doing the same thing to other people. Yeah, If if somebody says that they're going to, um, so Matt comes to me, for instance, he says, I've I got to take the engine out of my car and rebuild it. And many years ago, once I took the engine out of my car and tried to rebuild it, and when I started it, I'd forgot the important thing that you actually need to put oil in it. The engine blew up. And so when Matt says, I'm going to build the engine, oh, I'll all come to tears. It's like never, I haven't taken into account that Matt may know. It has. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so I, that's my prophetic leaning coming in there. <laughs> um, but I'm projecting my emotions of, of my lack of knowledge of engines and my failure in doing something onto somebody who's far more expert at this sort of thing than I am and have come up with a completely irrational r- response. And so, but the interesting thing is that. If we analyze why I felt that way, it's obviously because I'm actually processing or remembering a previous error or or wrong in my life that has come to the fore, because I haven't dealt with that. Um, But it may be, you know, there are are things that have happened before in our life that come as warnings, and so our emotions can actually warn us of of places where we perhaps shouldn't go. I'm not going to help Matt reconstruct his engine, because he doesn't want my help, believe me. So we've we've, got to learn more about ourselves and and learn more about the world by actually learning to listen to our thoughts and our emotions. We need to choose to investigate them as thoroughly as possible because if we don't do that, we're likely to to suffer the unfortunate and often unpleasant um, effects of ineffective thinking. The fourth thing, spend time with supportive people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. That's a positive statement right there. It's assuming that we're already doing that. Spending time with supportive people is important for our mental health. These people can provide a listening ear, offer helpful advice and be a shoulder to cry on. And supportive people can be found in your family, friends, church, or even co-workers. Find somebody who is actually not judgmental, but actually willing to help. You need to feel comfortable, and you need to feel safe with these people. They will help you through the tough times, and they'll also be there to celebrate your victories. So if you're feeling lowly and down, hopefully you have a support network to reach out to. Spend time with these people and let them help you improve your mental health. The, the way to be a help for someone's mental health, have you ever heard that expression? You know, people come into a room and, and light it up. Be one of those persons, not one of the people who brightens a room by leaving. The fifth thing is seek professional help. Matthew 1024 says, students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. There is always someone out there who will know more about the subject than you do. And we all have this tendency, especially in the age of instant medical advice from the internet and that old wives' tale of, I know my body better than anyone else. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to listen to our bodies, but we also need to acknowledge that sometimes we don't actually know enough to help our bodies without seeing a professional. The same thing happens with mental health. Now we get so many people who have said, oh, I've always had a crook gut for years, it's nothing to worry about, i just got a bit of indigestion, turn out they've got bowel cancer, um, fills the cemeteries of Adelaide. Because they thought they knew their body. Now we need to understand that you know, obviously we, we have, we're in more and more in touch with it, but it doesn't actually give us the innate knowledge to uh, do surgery on ourselves or or actually diagnose things that we might have. so use a bit of common sense when it comes to that and especially with mental health, most of us know our minds less than we know the rest of our bodies and so mental health problems can be debilitating, but with the right help, we can start to feel better. There are many qualified Christian counselors and therapists that can help you through your struggles to find hope and healing. You do not need to suffer in silence. Now, after bagging the internet's medical advice, you can actually find a Christian therapist by searching Google. Um, But I would suggest that it's probably best to find someone who uh, a friend perhaps has gone to and, and trusts, or or even, even just somebody you, you know or can contact who, who can refer somebody. Word of mouth in this case I think is probably a, a great tool for that because you need to you need to have somebody you can trust. Um and so look around, ask around. Um you know, be if you've ever if you've been to a therapist and that you found them very helpful, be honest enough to admit that you've been and they can, and you can help somebody else. I think there used to be a lot of... That's what I said. Should I use another microphone, Nathan? We're OK? We've sorted out our problems. It's very hazy back there. It's very hard to see. Does it, is the smoke machine still on, though? OK, I think I... Nothing. Good. Okay. Um, so seeing seeing a professional ca- can really make a difference. So if we want an action plan, there are things that we could do. Who noticed that in those fine point, five points, fine points they were, that most of it actually is not about doing stuff for other people, about doing stuff for ourselves. First one, spend time with God. The therapy isn't to go to say, Brendan, spend more time with God. David, spend more time. I need to spend more time with God to be able to help somebody else, not tell them they need to spend more time with God. It's, it's, a, it's about ourselves. Put a name to your feelings. Kirsty, you put a name to your feelings. No, no, I've got to look at myself and be able to look at my feelings. And sometimes that can be can be really difficult. I actually know when I'm under stress because I notice things I don't normally notice. I'll throw Vicky under the bus here a bit. But... <laughs> just a little bit. No, it's just that Vicky likes to help me drive. And that's fine. That's just what she does. But I notice and I know that I am I am, in a, a place of anxiety or depression or tension or that my mental health isn't at 100%. When I actually notice that she's doing it and that I get upset about it. Because normally, she says, oh, there's a park over there. There's a park there. It's fine, I've, I've seen them, but I've got my eye on that one, so I just go in on that one. She doesn't mind. But sometimes I go into a car park and she says, there's a park. I know there's a park there. You don't have to tell me. I can find a park all by myself. <laughs> Never happened to anybody else, has it? No. But so about two weeks later, I'm, I'm a slow learner. After a couple of weeks of this, I suddenly realize, I'm not in a good place. I'm reacting to things badly. And so, you know, we need to to look at ourselves. It's not because she's doing annoying things by telling me how how to drive. Because that's uh, 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 43 years, It, it doesn't matter. But at those times when it does, I know that it's not because of a change in her, it's a change in me. So we need to look at ourselves. I apologise for the last time I yelled at you about the parking. Well, I gripped my teeth a bit. So so we've got to delve into those. We've got to know why. And... you know, I haven't quite got to the point where I say, "Well, if I get grumpy, you need to tell me that I'm my mental health isn't good," because I think I'd yell at her if she did that. Um, but because who knows? We're on a journey. This isn't this isn't about perfect answers. We've ex- the, the the way self discovery is a lifelong process, and some of the things you discover aren't nice. You know, the first time I found out I wasn't perfect, I was devastated. And it's, it's only got worse since then. And so, you know, it, it can take courage to to look into your, your emotions and your feelings and to recognise where you're at. And then to do the fourth thing, find somebody supportive and tell them. I think it's the hardest thing to do. Because it's, it's admitting your failure to cope with something. The reality is we've all failed to cope. But most of us also have failed to ask for help. So not only are we suffering, we're stupid. (laughs) And if you find somebody who's supportive because you've got over that hurdle, they may recommend number five, speak to a professional, get professional help. And I think that's easier to do now than it has Ever in the last 10, 15 years, 15 years ago, if somebody had suggested that you see a professional therapist, you'd have punched them. How dare you suggest? Barry did hit me once. Oh, that was for a different reason. (laughs) But, I mean, much as though we're making light of all of this, it's... It's an issue that we actually can have control over. Mental health isn't a rampant disease that that takes over society and there's nothing we can do. It's there. It affects us. And there are measures that we can take. And if we're suffering ourselves, we need to take those measures. If we know somebody who is, we need to be the supporting person community, group, dinner party, coffee person to go out with, whatever it is, family member, to help these people. It's not a plan which is going to bring us victory and defeat our enemies for all time from a message. The subtlety and cunning of the plan is that it's long-term, Subtle is never fun. Cunning is underrated. But we can all do it because we all have the power of our connection with Jesus Christ to help us. In some ways, I feel like a bit of a a counterfeit preaching this because I, I will admit I have no mental health expertise at all. I've had problems. Does that make me an expert? I've flown on plenty of aircraft, but they don't invite me into the cabin to fly the plane. But I think we've we've got to approach this whole idea from a far more holistic and community mindset than as individuals suffering and in pain on our own. Jesus came down, and I, I, I've seen an interesting... Um, sort of Instagram and TikTok posts about this, about did Jesus really want the church? Jesus doesn't talk about the church. Why Why does the church exist? Jesus wasn't about the church. Rubbish. Jesus came because there's that whole thing. You know Jesus wasn't a Christian because Christians are followers of Christ. Um, he He was the Christ, which is Greek for the Messiah, the chosen one. And he came to make it possible for us to form communities where we are followers of the Chosen One. Which is a great segue to say that if you're not a follower of the Chosen One, if you're not somebody who has got Jesus Christ at their core and their centre, then perhaps this is a great time to think about changing that attitude, that perception in your life. I'd love after the service, I'll be standing down there. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we can pray to open up your heart, to accept him in, to start a path where you journey with Christ as your cultural advisor rather than TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, the community around us, just to let him speak into our lives. I'd love to pray with you about that straight after the service. But right now, let's just stand. Let's take a mental health moment. Jesus, I just pray. that you have brought your holy spirit to surround us with the capability with the availability with the presence of an advocate and a counselor to speak faith comfort and wisdom into all our lives holy spirit we open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to you right now. We ask you to come in, to begin a work, to bring us to a new place of understanding in God, of understanding ourselves, of understanding our place in our community and in our world. We cast our cares upon you We accept your strength and your wisdom in moving forward in the life you have chosen for each and every one of us. Fill us now, Holy Spirit. Make heaven our home right now, and not just in that romantic sense, but the fact that home gives us a purpose, gives us something to live for, something to do, people to love, and people to serve. Lord, we give you thanks that we are your church.